take a deep, long, slow breath in and exhale. And again, inhale and exhale. Finally, inhale and exhale. Welcome to the Mindful Music Pedagogy Podcast, where we're dedicated to helping music educators develop a balanced awareness of what we teach as well as who we teach. My name is Jessica Kebby, and if you like a direct, smart, kind, and sometimes humorous approach to music, education, and wellness, this is the place for you. Today's topic is four techniques for developing consistency in performance. Some of you may recognize this topic. It was the title of an article I wrote for the website ipianoteacher.com in October 2017. I'm not going to rehash all of what I wrote in that article, so if you'd like to read it, you can visit ipianoteacher.com and search for it by the title Four Techniques for Developing Consistency in Performance. I am going to go over some highlights of the information included in that article, as well as go more in depth on each technique. So in the article, I started out by asking this question. Have you ever noticed that some days certain students play with confidence and ease, and other days they seem to struggle, sometimes sounding like they've never seen or heard the piece of music that they've been working on so diligently? I'm not talking about students who you know don't practice with any degree of regularity or who lack the technical or musical ability to perform certain works. I'm talking about the students who work hard, are capable, practice faithfully, who can sound absolutely fantastic, but who sometimes seem to lose the connection between their brain and their fingers and lack consistency and confidence in their performances. These students may or may not be able to articulate exactly why this happens. Often, there's a physical or mental disruption that occurs that throws them off balance and affects their performance. Maybe it's something external, like being in a different room or a different environment that elicits a certain level of discomfort. Or maybe a noise or movement caught them off guard. Maybe it's internal, a fear of failure that's strong enough to cause physical tension or negative thoughts that they struggle to ignore. Whatever the reason, the result can be an undesirable performance. And if that continues, the student can quickly develop a track record of inconsistent performances, which can then feed into the self-fulfilling prophecy of failure. And then in the article, I went on to share about my experiences with inconsistent performances as a child and as a student. It didn't happen all the time, and in fact, not even most of the time, but I had enough quote-unquote bad performances, according to my perfectionistic standards, that I experienced uncertainty whenever I performed. After several years of observation and study, I finally realized what was happening. I discovered that my problem was this. I wasn't connecting what was happening in my mind with what I expected and needed to happen with my body during a performance. When I practiced, I was relaxed and my mind and body behaved in certain ways, but when I was under pressure, my mind and body behaved differently and I had no idea how to control the results. I felt good when I practiced. I would often feel transported or in an almost zen-like state, but when I performed, I was anxious, cold, shaky, and my mind felt really foggy. It was frustrating to me that I couldn't recreate my state of being when I practiced when I performed. 
And I think the reason is because I wasn't practicing that state of being in mind intentionally. It was just happening during my practice sessions. But when I was performing, I was just reacting. Um, And so I wasn't creating a proactive and purposeful practice session to take charge of my mind and body that I could call upon when I was in a performance. Through my research, I discovered that there's a very simple, effective concept that develops an awareness and communication between a musician's mind and body, and that's known as relaxed concentration. In a musical context, this means developing the ability to be fully present in each moment of playing while maintaining just the right amount of energy, muscular control, and focus that enables musicians to play with a level of consistency and confidence that can't be shaken. Just as students must practice and develop their technique and repertoire, achieving a state of relaxed concentration must be cultivated in practice consistently over time in order to see results. So there really isn't a silver bullet, but the good news is this is really easy to do and it only takes five to 10 minutes each day. There are a variety of approaches to developing the art of relaxed concentration So for the purpose of this podcast and this article that the podcast is based on, I chose to focus on four techniques which are particularly effective for students, especially young ones, because they're fairly concrete. And these techniques can be incorporated into a daily routine from the very first lesson. The four techniques are breathing, progressive relaxation, meditation, and mindfulness. So let's dive into the first technique, breathing. There's some really amazing research about the power and effect of breathing. And before you jump in and call me Captain Obvious, because obviously we wouldn't be alive without breathing. So of course, it's pretty powerful and beneficial. Let me share a couple interesting facts about breathing. Did you know that researchers have discovered that the type of breathing a person engages in directly reflects the level of tension carried in their body? Also, deep breathing is highly effective as an immediate, short, and long-term coping technique that's been directly correlated to a decrease of musical performance anxiety in children. And finally, the benefits of deep, mindful inhalation and exhalation include the relief of muscle tension, a decrease in pain, and an increased function of the body's nervous system. So all of that's pretty great, right? And we don't have to do anything to remind ourselves to breathe. We already do it all day long but we do have to train ourselves to develop an awareness of our breathing. We have to tune in to the types of breathing we're engaged in throughout the day and learn to manage it to benefit us in different situations, like learning how to slow our breathing down when we're taking fast, shallow breaths that could lead to hyperventilation, and learn to increase our breathing speed in a controlled way to pump more oxygen into our brain and bodies when we're feeling too sluggish. Helping students develop an awareness of their breathing in various situations puts them in the position of being able to use their breathing to determine the state of their mind and body, and it also allows them to change their breathing patterns to create a desired state of relaxation. Deep breathing also encourages mental calm and enhances concentration, and that's really beneficial for all musicians, of course, but especially ones who may need to perform by memory. So we're going to try this. 
The technique is very simple. First, you're going to take a deep, long, slow breath in through the nose and then exhale through the mouth. As you inhale, imagine your lungs filling up from the bottom to the top. And then have a little fun with the exhale and make it as loud as you can, especially in the lessons because kids love that. You'll repeat this several times and each time you repeat it, try adding an extra second to the length of your inhalations and exhalations to deepen and expand your breathing. So we're going to try it. First, I want you to breathe in through your nose and breathe out. Again, breathe in through the nose and breathe out. One more time, breathe in through the nose and breathe out. So how do you feel? You'll no doubt notice that this is also the intro to the podcast, and I do that very intentionally because what I've found is that when people take just a moment to breathe in and out, they tune in a lot better to what happens right after that. Doing something so simple as focusing on our breathing turns everything inward, and it causes us to pause for a moment and just be. The other thing that's so important about this technique is that it puts us in the driver's seat of being able to control and utilize our breathing when we're under stress. It also begins to build a really strong connection between our mind and body. This single exercise might be the most important one of all for us to introduce to our students right away. They can do it anytime, anywhere. But especially encourage them to get into the habit of taking a few deep breaths every time they begin to practice at the beginning of every lesson and for sure every time they're set to perform. The second technique is called progressive relaxation. After developing an awareness of their breathing, students can extend the idea of awareness to include their physical body. Progressive relaxation is a technique developed by Dr. Edmund Jacobson, and it's the intentional creation and release of muscular tension, moving progressively from one muscle group to another throughout the body, therefore the word progressive. The goal of the skill is to train the mind to recognize when and where insufficient or excess tension is present in the body and how to increase or release it. Our bodies and minds can do strange things when we're under pressure, and if we're not prepared, this can be surprising or difficult to know how to handle. Some students experience unexpected muscular rigidity, or perhaps the opposite, the feeling of their arms or legs turning to jelly. Neither of those are ideal because it impacts their ability to perform. The technique of progressive relaxation is quite simple. Just like the breathing, the purpose is to develop an awareness of excess or insufficient tension and then to develop a strong communication between the mind and body by labeling the feelings. Once the students gain mastery of this skill, they can use it in moments of pressure to create or relieve tension in specific areas of the body as needed very, very quickly. So let's walk through what this is going to feel like. First, we're going to start by taking a few breaths as we find a comfortable place to sit or lie still. 
Then take a moment to do a quick head-to-toe muscular scan to determine where you're sensing excess or insufficient tension. Pinpoint the exact area of tension and be very specific about which muscle or muscle group it is and label the feeling of discomfort that you have right now. And when I say label, I mean give a a one or two word or one image description of what the discomfort feels like. Maybe something like shooting pain or liquefied jelly or anything along those lines. Make it really specific though because you want to pick something that your mind can quickly and easily associate with that feeling in that part of your body and something that you can recall. Be as creative as you want, but keep it really simple. Next, you're going to take that specific muscle or muscle group that you just identified as uncomfortable and you're going to contract the muscle as tightly as you can and hold it for 10 seconds. All right, here we go. Here's something to remember. Only constrict the muscle that you are pinpointing. Don't involve secondary muscles in this exercise. And this is why I recommend lying down at some point when you try this exercise because you'll become aware of other muscles that you're tensing that you might not be able to sense if you're sitting or standing. Label the feeling that contracting that particular muscle creates. Make it a different name than the one you just used for the original discomfort. Then, after contracting that muscle for 10 seconds, you're going to fully and completely release the muscle. You're going to also, again, just focus only on that muscle, no others, and you're going to label that feeling. By doing this regularly, you're first building an awareness of your muscle groups. Second, you're building an awareness of where you tend to carry your tension. And third, you build a strong communication between the mind and the body by labeling that you can access on a moment's notice. It's really important to do that naming and labeling process because that's where the connection is built and strengthened by the repetition of those specific words with the specific feelings with those specific muscle groups. So let's try it one more time. Pick a specific area that you want to focus on. We're going to contract that muscle and only that muscle for 10 seconds. Label that feeling as you're doing it and then release the muscles and label that feeling as you do that. Here we go. And release the muscle. And then notice how that feels. If you do this progressively throughout the body, the connection and the awareness that you will build will be amazing. And then when you're performing or you have students performing and they notice tension in in a their forearm or in their neck or in their legs, they can recall that specific word that they used during this exercise to relax that muscle and they can recall that and the muscle will instantly relax. Next, we're going to move on to the third technique, which is meditation. Practicing the art of relaxed concentration includes cultivating an awareness of the power of the mind. 
The purpose of meditation is to bring the mind and body to a place of unity in which things can be experienced in the moment they occur. Meditation in the context of musicianship increases the connection between a musician's mind and body by showing students how to become aware of their thoughts before and during the times that they're performing, and it ultimately allows them to calmly direct their mind's focus at will. So here are a couple ways that meditation might work. First, find a comfortable place to sit and take a few deep breaths. After you've done that, you're going to choose a mantra. This is helpful for two reasons. First, the mantra offers a concrete way for us to connect with the exercise, which is really great when you're practicing this concept with younger students who haven't really developed their abstract thinking yet. And second, research has proven that using a one or two syllable word mantra is beneficial because it blocks a lot of the signals from the brain to the muscles and results in a quieter physical state. So directing our focus to a neutral word rather than on the swirling thoughts and emotions that often surround stressful performance situations is a really tangible way to begin the process of transferring something negative into something positive. Now with your eyes open or closed, inhale deeply and slowly to the count of three and then exhale while articulating your mantra. So it might sound like this, inhale and exhale. Mm. or maybe inhale and exhale ah okay so now try this with me pick a syllable and inhale and exhale Inhale and exhale. This is similar to our earlier breathing exercise, except then we were just focused on the breath. Now we're focused on how we can use the breath to guide our mind. Repeat this as many times as it takes for you to begin to feel a connection between your physical breathing, your mantra, the clarity of your mind, and then ultimately your presence in the moment. Now what this might look like in practicing or performing is singing or humming along as you play. Obviously you don't want to do that out loud when you're performing, unless you're a singer, but when you're practicing, try singing out loud, really loud and proud. That acts as a mantra. And it blocks your mind from delving into unproductive or counterproductive thoughts. When you're practicing, it also gives you a clue as to where you might be less secure with a passage because you'll stop singing. Your mind will be so consumed with the mechanics of trying to get through that part that it can't process playing the passage and singing at the same time. So if you can get to the point where you can sing or hum out loud all the way through your piece, you know you're getting close to being performance ready. And then the next step is taking that out loud singing or humming and internalizing it. Now this is tricky because it's a lot easier to not realize when you've stopped humming when you're doing it silently. But that amount of focus and flow is exactly what you need in order to know if you're ready to perform. On my Twitter and Facebook accounts, I linked um, earlier this week to a wonderful article with tips on meditation for people who struggle with ADHD. If that's you or some of your students, you might want to check it out. 
It's called Forget the Lotus Position, How to Meditate ADHD Style. And it's up on attitudemag.com. Now that's attitude with two Ds as in adding numbers. So some of you might find that article helpful. And now finally we come to the fourth and final technique, mindfulness. Mindfulness is addressed last because it's a beneficial way to practice all those previous three skills cumulatively. It's a skill that combines physical relaxation with clear, careful cognitive awareness and the passive direction of thoughts. It allows us to be thought observers and to gently redirect thoughts or feelings that we don't wish to entertain at certain times. This is a vital skill for students and performers to develop as they need to understand that it's completely within their control to direct their thoughts. Often when we perform or practice, we let our minds run unchecked and we're not even aware of it until a mistake occurs. So we can be proactive by practicing of this level of mental awareness because it reminds us that we can decide how and when we allow these thoughts to take up space. So one way to do this is to imagine that you're standing or sitting in or by a river and imagine all the thoughts that you just observed as leaves floating gently by or around you. Or you might feel more comfortable envisioning yourself in a comfortable protective bubble. You want to really draw yourself in to, to that image, whichever one you pick, or you can have another one that makes more sense to you. And you just want to be there, just rest there, stay there for a few minutes and just notice, notice what comes to mind. Notice, especially what wants to persist. When I first start doing this, I notice that a lot of things I've forgotten about throughout the day come to my mind. So when I'm really trying to hone this skill, I'll put a pad of paper beside me because sometimes they are important things that I don't want to forget about. And I also don't want them nagging at me um, as I'm trying to do this exercise. So if I take a second and quickly jot it down, then if that thought persists, I can just really gently guide my mind back to the place of saying it's taken care of that has a time and a space later, and I'm not going to forget because I wrote it down. So find your spot, find your space, and notice what happens in your mind. And you're not giving any kind of judgment or evaluation really to any of this. You're just noticing. If you struggle to stay there and to just stay in a space of presence without jumping to judgment or really engaging in thoughts that are unproductive to the moment, you might try really engaging yourself in the sounds and the feelings of your imagined scenario. Maybe think about what time of day it is. Is it sunny? Is it night? Is it warm? Is it cold? Are you in the water? How does that feel? If you're in the bubble, what's the temperature? What does the outside look like? Is it bright? Is it dark? Really engage in that type of thing. And at first I would suggest setting a timer for just a minute, one minute. And we're going to do that now. And I'm going to time us for one minute of silence and just see what comes to mind. Okay. So get into a comfortable spot 
And here we go. So how did it go? Did you find yourself thinking about a lot of things? Did you find yourself really calm? Maybe you found it easy to, to sink into that space and enjoy that moment. As you get better at this, um, I would encourage you to extend the length of time of the exercise. Sometimes a minute goes by really fast and sometimes it feels like it takes forever. But point is to begin to make a connection with this exercise to your ability to deflect and to guide your mind. This is really important because sometimes when we're practicing or performing anxious or painful or uncomfortable thoughts will come to mind and we want to acknowledge those but that is not the time or place. So you want to remember that when those things do come in a practice session and a lesson in a performance, and they will because that's very normal, you want to be able to gently guide them away and return your focus to the sounds and the feelings that you do wish to experience. You're not trying to ignore those things permanently. You're just setting some parameters for them. And then you're gently guiding your mind down the path that you do wish it to go. I think that this is the hardest exercise of excuse me I think that this is the hardest exercise of all because it requires a high degree of stillness and concentration but arguably it gives the highest benefit if you and your students can achieve this level of mental focus you have made huge strides towards securing a consistent and calm performance imagine if you began to incorporate these techniques into your daily teaching and practice routine, even if you just spent five minutes total on them, do you think that would change your body? Do you think it would change your mind? Do you think it would change how you interact with your students? I know it sure does for me. I can get really wrapped up in pushing through as much material as possible in a lesson, and then I get stressed out. And I am sure that the students can pick up on that. But if I go in relaxed and comfortable and in charge of my emotions and my thoughts, I can usually accomplish more than I can when I'm pushing myself and stressing out, even though I took five minutes of the lesson to kind of walk them through these exercises. And I know for this podcast, it took us a lot longer than five minutes, but that's because we were doing a lot of you know explaining and different things. But if you really just took a, about a minute to do the breathing, maybe about two minutes to do the progressive relaxation, 
and about a minute for the meditation and then a minute, a minute or two for the mindfulness, that's five minutes. And imagine what you would give your students if you did that. Imagine that giving them the gift of utilizing these skills to create really powerful moments at the beginning of each lesson. Just imagine that the stillness and the quiet focus and the relaxed concentration that might develop within them. And when they do that at the beginning, it really opens them up for instruction and a productive lesson. So imagine if every student began their lesson like this, what you would accomplish, but also imagine what if they began every practice session like this at home. It requires zero equipment and zero preparation in terms of tools or or resources They just need a little help to get started, and you can do that. So if this is something that you think you would like to include in your teaching and you would like maybe a little bit more guidance, I'm going to direct you to the website www.mindfulmusicpedagogy.com and go in the resources page. You'll see there a section that says free downloads, and I have downloads of worksheets available there for students to use to just get them going. This is really good, especially for younger students who need a a concrete way to connect with this exercise. It gives them a chance to write out or uh, draw how these different exercises make them feel. And then if you go into the products page, you'll see that I have a whole set of recorded guided exercises that go even more in depth than what we did here. They're really short tracks, um, but several that deal with breathing and then progressive relaxation, meditation, and mindfulness. So if you like a little coaching along those lines, you might want to check those out. And now I'd like to hear from you. What works for you? Maybe you can share a strategy that's helped you in developing or maintaining consistency or confidence. Share it with us. You can do that on our website, Facebook, Twitter, or you can send an email. Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please let us and others know. And don't forget to subscribe so you stay up to date with our latest episodes. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mindfulmusicped, on Twitter at mindfulmusicped, or you can contact us at mindfulmusicpedagogy.com, where you can also find other helpful resources.